0: Hey, everybody. This is Larry Little, and you're listening to Crossing the Line, a podcast where we talk with leaders about the moments in their life when they cross the line from leading with their head to leading with their heart and from leading with their heart to leading with their head. It really is a podcast, not so much about leadership, but about leaders. And today we have an incredible young leader on our podcast. Her name is Elizabeth Scutchfield. Elizabeth is, is a perfect example of someone who understands how to lead herself first and then has transformed that into uh, an influential leader of others she is a a really bright bright uh, young leader receiving her her graduate degrees from Vanderbilt University and and from Stanford and just has worked globally and internationally uh, with corporate initiatives, focusing on training and building international network. Uh, She has really worked with uh, third world countries, and you'll hear a little bit about that and helping them to create sustainable uh, economic environments and those kinds of things. She has a huge vision uh she's, she's got a career that she has developed literally on knowing who she is knowing what her strengths are and using her entrepreneurial spirit that leadership to create a meaningful and purposeful uh career for her life so i can't wait for you to meet elizabeth she is unique she's a different kind of leader Uh, She has courage and curiosity, and I'm going to stop talking now so you can get to know her. Let's jump into this conversation with Elizabeth Scutchfield right now. Elizabeth. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe we have Elizabeth today, but we do. And and Elizabeth, who travels all over the place, has given us some of her time. Elizabeth, the awesome young leader uh, who has an incredible vision. I remember Elizabeth being so impressed with you. We talked about that in the intro a bit, some of the things you've done. But I remember being so impressed with you with our first conversations. Welcome to Crossing the Line. I'm so glad you're here.
1: Thanks, Larry. I'm grateful to be here and um, share a conversation with you and get to know you better, too.
0: Oh, thank you. Well, you know, um, on this podcast, we like to talk about leaders uh, and uh, not so much as leadership tools as we like to talk about leaders. Although I know you have a, a plethora of those tools you could share with us. But I want to I want to learn about you. I want to learn about Elizabeth. So let's go back. I am going to take you back. Elizabeth is Um, Eight years old. Where are you there? Where did you grow up? Kind of describe for us what it was like a a day in the life of Elizabeth growing up.
1: Yeah, thank you. So eight-year-old Elizabeth, um, she had a lot of spunk. She did have a lot of spunk. She grew up in a small town in Kentucky called Danville, which is about... 45 minutes outside of Lexington, um, I've come to realize that it was kind of a unique town to grow up, grew up in, in the sense that we had a college in our town, a liberal arts college. So kind of that added a unique dynamic to our town where there were college professors, but also people who lived a much more rural life. And so create an interesting, I think, dynamic in our town and education was always a really important part of our town. <laughs> Um, My family, my dad was a physician. He was an orthopedic surgeon. Um, My mom was a stay-at-home mom. And um, my dad was very kind of ambitious and his career was something that was really important to him. Um, My mom was always very community service oriented. And that was kind Mm. of a big part of her um, story and identity. Um, I had a brother um, who was four years older than me. um, And he... um, it's interesting how you develop your personality in contrast to your siblings sometimes, you know, especially when you're the younger one. So my brother was the smart one. So that position had been carved out in the family. So I got <laughs> the, the the social one, the outgoing one, the, the entertainer of sorts, which is often common for the second child. Um, and yeah, I was really into um sports but i also really enjoyed school uh i loved my friends um i was just kind of curious about a lot of things and really somebody who always have had, has had like a diverse array of interests
0: so this is where it starts we hear it all the time as a young girl growing up she was curious and she had diverse interest it really is a common characteristic of really strong leaders being curious
1: Uh, when I was eight specifically, was also an interesting time in my life because uh, my mom actually at that time decided that um, she had a problem with alcohol. And Mm -hmm. it was a time where she ended up um, deciding to go to treatment uh, for about, I think, six weeks. So it was a time in my life where, you know, your innocence kind of does shift, right? When you kind of realize like, oh, gosh, I have my my mom's really struggling. And I, you know, sensed that there was maybe probably something a little off, but it was the moment where it kind of became real. And, um, she left a note in my lunchbox is such a distinct memory. Um, and just said, you know, I'm going to take some time away. And, um, but my hope is that I will come back and be able to be a better mom for you. And that it was really her modeling, um self-care which is so hard i think for moms and wives right to say i need to put my own oxygen mask on right now and that's going to help me to be better able to love the people that i truly do care for beautiful yeah it is a beautiful part of the story um and also just the ways in which i can look at it now after having gone on my own healing journey versus having any sense of kind of hard feelings or resentment. I really admire her for like that moment in time.
0: That's that's awesome that you could find that moment to pull something positive out of. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but you, Oh, who is that? I got I to tell our podcast, listen, she has this beautiful pup. Now who, who am I looking at?
1: This is stone and this is my friend's precious puppy.
0: Oh, hello yes. stone. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so I got to go back though. I have a question for you. You, you, are eight, and you have a note in your lunchbox. Yeah, what's going on in an eight-year-old's head? I mean, you can actually, obviously, you can actualize stuff, actualize that now. But, but back at it as an eight-year-old. Tell me what was going on.
1: Yeah, you know, I've I've told this story a number of times, and um, it is interesting to kind of you know tell your adult version of the story versus an eight-year-old version of the story. Right. <laughs> And I think there was some part of me that's like, you know, my life's about to change, you know, dramatically, you know, and this is, this, this is a a point in my life where it's kind of, you know, things are going to be different, but there was also a sense of, I think I'd already developed a sense of independence and a sense of like resilience that I kind of knew that I was going to be okay. Mm. And that to me was also, you know, like a significant aspect of that moment. Cause in some ways, again, because I think my mom had been struggling leading up to that moment, Mm -hmm. you know, there were ways in which I already had developed some tools to kind of take care of myself.
0: This was a really vulnerable moment in her life. And I really appreciate Elizabeth sharing that with us, but notice what she did, even as a young child, she said, I developed some tools for myself. I developed some ways to deal with this, yet another nugget in what makes her the leader she is today.
1: You know, I think it was, you know, kind of one of those moments where you're like, okay, like, here we go. But also I'm going to be okay. I just had a distinct feeling.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, so, so, I mean, that I can certainly understand from an eight-year-old's perspective, you already had some coping mechanisms, as we call them. You already had some tools that you were using, but this is different. Life is about to change. So what happened next?
1: So, um, you know, the, the rest of the year was an interesting time because our family was trying to adjust and adapt, right? And um, gratefully, in those moments, often you have those angels who enter your life, who kind of fill the gaps. And um, there was a woman named Shirley, who essentially was kind of our housekeeper, um, and but also very close to our family. Um, and she really stepped up and be- really became a second mom in a lot of ways. Um, and... So I feel very grateful that, you know, I had kind of that support system that kind of stepped in at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, My dad was really overwhelmed and I think it was an interesting time for me to to figure out, okay, I still have these needs and desires, but there's this family system that's kind of a little bit in disarray. And how am I going to adapt and adjust to that? And I I really struggled with that. There's a Mm -hmm. story my dad likes to tell that, um, my brother was like doing a science fair project or something. And my dad was trying to help him with that. And meanwhile, I had been invited to a friend's like barbecue at her church. And I was like bound and determined to go to this barbecue at this church. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) I was just like, I know you've got a lot going on, but like, I really want to go to this barbecue. And my dad, you know, kind of tells that story of like, oh, you kind of weren't very situationally aware of all the things that were going on. But the way I see that story now is that I just really was knew how to advocate for my needs in such a um, pure way at that time. Yes. Like, I think who we are at eight is so honest, right? Yes. It's who we are. Yes. And sometimes when we lose the thread, I think later in our lives, like remembering who we were at that age, yeah. can help us remember, like, I do know how to advocate for my needs. And certainly as we grow older, we learn better, more effective tools to maybe kind of do that or more emotionally intelligent ways to do that. But I love that I was a child who kind of knew what she needed and was trying to advocate for herself in the midst of a difficult situation.
0: Yes, but did you get to go to the barbecue?
1: I think I ended up being at the barbecue. I (laughs) think killer by water. I was going to figure that out. I love it.
0: (laughs) Okay, so life is kind of topsy turvy now. You're you're in you know you're in the the uh, pre adolescent world. You're in junior high. What's going on now?
1: Yeah. So junior high, you know, it's interesting. Your world kind of opens up a little bit, you know, each stage. It's like my family was kind of the focus when I was eight. And then you're kind of like starting to focus more on friends and social circles when you're in middle school and, you know, starting to in some ways also be more influenced by your peers and what they're interested in and kind of in some ways, I think, losing that connection to yourself, sadly. But I think we eventually get back. But yeah. Um, so seventh grade was actually a really tough year as I feel like it is for so many people, um, and confidence kind of gets a little rattled. And so, you know, some of the things that were significant that happened that year. So one of my closest friends, um, we kind of went through a breakup, you know, Mm -hmm. one of those phases where she kind of, I felt a little bit like she chose someone else all of a sudden and I was kind of dismissed or kind of discarded and that mm. was really a painful thing for me at the time um meanwhile there was a, a guy who took interest in me he was a year older than me i thought he was really cool i was like working as a library assistant and he would come visit me in the library and um i ended up finding out that like he wasn't genuinely interested in me but it was kind of one of these things where he was kind of just using me in some ways and so i was really kind of like, oh shoot, like this is the first time I got kind of attention from a male and it kind of didn't turn out the way I'd hoped. Right. Um, And I also that year decided to try cheerleading, which in some ways is, I played tennis most of my life and that was always kind of my like sport outlet. And I was just ready to try something new. But I also think there was a little bit of me that was drawn to the social status of what it means to be a cheerleader, right? Yeah, yeah. And, um, so I had the spirit, I had that voice and that, um, Oh
0: guys, you have to know we have another dog. It's a different dog. Wait, I'm sorry to stop you, but they're jumping in the, the shot. I love it. Now, who is this?
1: so this is Winnie and this is actually a dog that my friend is watching so um we have a little guest visitor here well
0: Well, she's pretty too she's a little blonde little blonde dog so for those of you listening on the podcast we have dogs everywhere it's awesome (laughs) we're loving okay I'm sorry okay back to the cheerleading you had the spirit you went out for cheerleading I had
1: the spirit I did not necessarily have the athletic or not. It's not athletic. It's the acrobatic skills. Um, I was tall, you know, some of the kind of the aspects of being able to do tumbling and all of that stuff was, was not my strength. I was not very flexible, but um, it was a good experience for me to try it on. And then, you know, by the end of the year, I was like, cheerleading's not my thing and that's okay. And I, I don't need this kind of the social status of this, you know, like I'd rather do things that are more aligned with who I am. Wow. And kind of a, I think a, a, a good moment for me to try on the thing that was expected, not unexpected of me, but in some ways was cool, and realize like I don't need to do the thing that's cool if it doesn't feel like it's, you know, aligned with me. So Um, yeah. So anyways, in the midst of that year, I also actually really got closer to my mom because, um, the cool thing was, is like, I think my mom in some ways didn't think she was natural at being a a mom of young children, but she is kind of a very much more natural, I think, at being a mom of older children, because she's really good at listening. She's really good at empathizing. And so as I was starting to face some of these challenges, she really was a safe place for mm-hmm. me, and, you know, had continued to kind of work on herself. So she kind of has that kind of ability to be a presence. Um, so that was kind of sweet to kind of, Uh, allow her to kind of show up for me in that moment in time oh wow
0: yeah that is so so she shows up you're struggling with hey i've tried this cheerleading thing i love that you knew that though i mean how rare is that as a seventh grader to go well you know i don't really need that but but you were hurting you you had a bad experience with a friend a hard experience with a guy you know you're trying to find yourself as all junior hires are doing but yet you seem to have this uh we'll call it the Elizabeth awareness to know that I don't, I don't want to be I you know, I don't have to be a cheerleader. So what happens next year? Now you're headed, we're headed into high school. Are you and mom still close? Did she, did this thing work all the way through junior high and into your high school years?
1: yeah it did actually she was somebody i continued to kind of like lean on as a advisor and just a safe place to sound things out so um high school comes along and um i really actually i know a lot of people struggle in high school but high school is actually a really positive time for me in most ways um i've always really been enjoyed school um and have done gratefully it's Come pretty, fairly naturally to me, I guess. Um, but also, again, kind of had these interests outside of school. So I um, was continuing to play tennis. Um, I ended up um, deciding to try soccer because we got a female soccer team when I was a sophomore, or no, a junior in high school. And um, it was a really powerful experience to me because so many of the sports I'd done up to that point were individual sports. I'd done swimming, I'd done cross country, I'd done tennis, and I really enjoy being part of a team sport. And, um, I found myself thriving when I was kind of within a a system where I was able to kind of leverage various people's strengths, know their strengths, Mm -hmm. um, encourage them in their kind of role and contribution to the team. And so by my senior year, I got nominated to be a team captain and ended up getting, I think like the sportsmanship award, um, and, what I really, I I learned about myself is like, I'm not necessarily like the most, I had a friend who was like, she was the competitor. Like she knew how to like be cutthroat and like know how to like drive that goal. You know, she just would find the girl on the other team who was kind of the one who was like her enemy. And that drove her sense of like desire to win, you know? And I never really had that kind of killer instinct, but I did have this like ability to kind of think in a group mentality and kind of like, how do we work together effectively as a group? Love that.
0: Well, don't miss that Elizabeth is learning during her high school years her junior high years. She's learning how to fail. She tried several sports. Some were her thing. Some were not. Cheerleading was not. I just don't want us to miss the importance from a a leadership perspective of learning how to fail. Some people call it failing forward, uh, but learning how to get back up, continue to try new things, continue to be curious, because it's important to to understand that as leaders, we're going to fail. Elizabeth understood this from a very early age. I love that. And that was soccer.
1: And that was soccer. Yeah.
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah. And you really enjoyed that teaming aspect of soccer, encouraging others, seeing things come together from a different perspective versus your friend who was yeah. probably the, the pure competitive person, right? I love what you said too. She identified somebody on the other team and set them up as the enemy. <laughs> that's, that's <good. laughs>
1: it really worked for her, you know, and she yeah. was actually also a team captain. So we probably really balanced each other out in that way. That's um, awesome. So um yeah and i'm trying to think of some other significant things about my high school years but um those are the things that are
0: Wait, i have to ask did did uh, did you ever reconcile back with your friend in the, the seventh grade or did that relationship oh,
1: ironically went? she was the the girl who was captain with me i love it <laughs> That
0: is awesome. That's, that's great. What, well, what a great full circle, right? I'll yeah. uh, both co-captains of this, of this soccer team. So you, you uh, finish up congratulations on being captain and, and the awards and those kind of things. It's awesome. You're learning, you're growing as a leader, even there. And I'm going to tell you already, as you've told the story up to this point, here's what I've heard. I heard Elizabeth is curious as a child. Mm-hmm. She's curious. And, and, and not only that, you know, she is self-aware enough to know, kind of begin to understand, I don't need this and this is what I do need. You're already developing that confidence mm-hmm. and you're really good and adept at finding, finding your niche and and saying, you know, I, I, I can do individual. I'm a bit athletic, but I love the team aspect. And I see you investing in others all the way through your adolescence. You were developing those traits that make you, who you are today. Um, the ability to lead in, in a way that you are leading today and to be the person that you are today, which I think is amazing, but we're not finished. Rest of the story. So we graduate high school. Yep. Uh, where are we now? We still, are we in Kentucky? Where are we?
1: Yep, we're still in Kentucky, still okay. in this small town that I grew up in. And, okay. um, as you mentioned that curiosity continued to drive my decisions moving forward. And I knew there was a big, bold world out there and I was ready to go see it and take it on. Uh um, <laughs> I uh, went I had the fortune of my senior year of high school to go on a trip to Ecuador. Um, and it was actually affiliated with the university or the college in our town. One of my friends, her mom was an anthropology professor. so I was tagging along on a foreign study trip. And we basically got to do some things that you wouldn't do normally touring. Like we went to a women's prison. Um, and then I got to go like on a tour in the Amazon and visit an eco tourism lodge, which all of these things just left such a strong impression on me. And at that age, I was like, I would like to be a foreign diplomat. Like, I think that that's something that would be really cool. So in my choice of going to college, I ended up going to a school called Furman university, which is in Greenville, South Carolina. Um, I told myself I wasn't going to go to Kentucky or any border states for college. Um, <laughs> so that was far enough away, but still close, you know, enough to be able to get home in five hours. And um, I chose the college because there was kind of a, a Christian vision and mission around the school. And that was really important to me at the time. Um, and so I um but I, it, college was also a little bit of a humbling experience for me, and kind of shook my confidence. I was so excited about kind of like launching off on this new phase of my career, or in my life, and um, felt like, oh yeah, this is going to be amazing. I'm you know going to venture out, and the world's going to receive me with open arms. And you know, I I did kind of falter a little bit my um my in my college career. <laughs> my first semester, I took a I thought I was going to be a sociology major, and I took a sociology class. And I got a B minus and I was horrified that I'd gotten a B minus after being a most (laughs) all A student in my high school years. Um, I took an environmental science class that I found fascinating, but honestly, they were kind of um, teaching us about some of the stuff that now we're all learning about kind of the effects of climate change. And. I would cry myself to sleep at night because I was kind of like, oh, geez, like, why isn't why am I like, why doesn't everybody understand this information about kind of like how we're using these resources at such a rate that they're going to end up running out. So um, there were just, you know, some things that kind of shook me up, I think, in that especially that first semester, which I think is totally normal. Um, But, you know, eventually I did, of course, find my footing, Um, I had tried out for a student activities board and, and hadn't gotten that position and was really disappointed. But Meanwhile, I did end up kind of um, finding an opportunity to get involved with Young Life, which, you know, is a ministry for um, high school students and um, really enjoyed the aspect. One of the things that I think in our culture is a little bit of a, uh, I don't know if i say it a problem, but I do think we tend to kind of like put people in age groups and then we kind of don't interact with people who are kind of from different decades. And I really, that was the thing about college I didn't love is like, I need perspectives of people younger than me and older mm. than me and I don't actually like being kind of in this bubble. You know, a lot of people talk about, talk about college campuses as being a bubble. Mm. Um, so I really appreciate my young life experience cause it took me off campus and into the community and helped me gain some perspective beyond it's so easy. I think when you're in college too, to be like, Oh, like this test is the biggest thing in the world, you know, like, and um, so I think that that was a really good, it, it was a good balancing, I guess, Experience in my college career. Um, and I also did go on foreign study twice. So I was able to kind of continue to explore my international curiosities and um, went to uh, France for a semester um, and mostly focused on language acquisition and studying the culture and live with a French family. And then I went to South Africa. Um one of my most influential courses in college was a History of Africa course. Um and I just so we went to South Africa to kind of study the like history of apartheid and kind of like post apartheid Mm. and I've always been interested in kind of like racial reconciliation and um, like efforts to kind of resolve these types of conflicts and tensions within cultures and so that was was fascinating and I really I'm grateful that I pursued those experiences to again kind of expand my world beyond
0: kind of the bubble this is amazing, Elizabeth. You continue to be curious. You continue to to try new things, and you allow things to—may um, I use the word—convict you. You know, with the with the climate issues, and then the need to go to to South Africa and and learn and educate yourself. I love that. It it you know, I go back. I'm drawing the circle again. We're back to the barbecue. It, it's what you knew, you needed, and you went after <laughs> it, right? And so you're going after it now. I just I just think that's beautiful and did you are you a foreign diplomat do we do we get that goal accomplished
1: so that is a good part of the story so basically i kind of let that go i took an international relations class in college and i felt like it didn't resonate for me it was like this is all about power and bombs like that's not really what i'm interested in i'm much interested more interested in humanitarian mm-hmm. efforts so i thought maybe i would do um peace corps in my 20s but i didn't end up pursuing that and in some ways i was like, I. I Went to grad school in my late 20s. I went and got my master's in higher education administration. Um, Considered working in kind of international higher education, um, but also kind of ended up feeling like that wasn't right. But lo and behold, basically, I um, ended up on this project more recently, um, which is an interesting story of kind of how that came about. But basically, I ended up being able to go to Rwanda to support a university and focused on sustainable agriculture. Wow. Wow. So it was kind of all these pieces of like this interest in the environment, this interest in international, you know, cultures, this interest in cultures that are working on reconciliation. Um, and so what I what I think is so beautiful about how this came together is I wasn't looking for it, you know, mm-hmm. but I knew I had to follow my curiosity. And then when you meet the right person, they can see those pieces and they're like, who knows what doors might open, you know, for you when you just continue to follow your curiosity, but don't necessarily know where it's taking you.
0: Um, no, it's, it's really incredible You because the pieces were being put together all through your life. You know, yeah. you, you had that that curiosity, that self-awareness, that drive to the need to pull people together. Then you expanded that in, in college and, and your, your graduate work taught you how to look look globally and and find need, and then you went and explored and fed that that curiosity some more and what's so cool about you is you fed your curiosity in a in a purposeful way
1: Mm. it's not
0: about being just curious um no it's about saying wow how could i truly make an impact and you wound up over in you know uh a place where you did you ever thought you'd go to rwanda i mean was that ever a
1: well, I, I did have a friend who had previously worked in Rwanda. So I did have like, and that was actually kind of how the opportunity kind of came together. So, I mean, but certainly when she was there and telling me about her experiences, I never was like, Oh, I'd like to find a way oh, to do that. You know, that. like It just ha- it
0: happened because you you are a great example of what a leader does. You know, they, it, it's about how we travel this journey. It, it more than the journey itself, I think in in the in goal. So as you continue this journey, I want to ask you and I, I, our time is is slipping away and I want I have a couple of more questions for you though before I let you before I let you go. Yeah. Uh as you're sitting here we've just said obviously you can't say what's next but my question is what's next? What are you <laughs> what are you what are you thinking?
1: Yeah. So, you know, about 3 years ago I basically decided, you know, what all the things I am interested in don't neatly fit in one job. So I think I'm going to kind of do this freelance path and try and see if I can use the gig economy to kind of pull together a variety of projects that kind of satisfy some of these different areas that I'm interested in, including coaching, community building, um, facilitating, and kind of advising and um, building programs ultimately. So um, that's kind of what I've been doing the last three years that kind of led to this opportunity in Rwanda. And so now I have this international piece that I'm kind of weaving in to the fabric and like, how does that, um, you know, how is that going to play into what's next for me? So I guess I'm exploring a few things. Um, I'm interested in work with foundations because I feel like it's a great kind of way for me to build on what I learned supporting an international project um, and being on ground for an international project. And um, I'm kind of curious about managing a portfolio of projects where I can do capacity development for leaders who are doing good in different parts of the world um, and help them through the lens of kind of organizational development. How do they be effective as an organization?
0: I just continue to be impressed with uh, this young leader who is uh, concerned about how she can give back and how she can help others. Her her what next is about how she can improve the lives of others. Uh, that's incredible.
1: Um, so that's something I'm curious about and kind of poking around in. Um, I also am continuing to be drawn to kind of chief of staff types of roles because I do like being that second person to a leader to help them realize their visions and operationalize mm. their visions. Mm. Um, and that's kind of naturally, it's it's, you know, again, you look at your career and you think, what has kind of happened naturally? And what's happened naturally for me is, I end up in a role in an organization and then I become kind of a strategic partner for the leader, um, regardless of the role that I'm in. And I do really like playing that that um, position. So those are some things I'm exploring right now.
0: That is incredible. I I can't wait to to see what you are accomplishing and continuing to do. I love your vision. I love the way you articulated it. I think you have to me, you have, um, you know, set a great example for all of us. Know yourself be curious to know who you are. But, but then you you said, let's find ways that I can live purposely. And, and I got to know what my purpose is. I've got to know what I enjoy doing and what I'm good at. Yeah. And you found it. You're brilliant, Elizabeth. You're just brilliant. I love it. Um, One more question for you. Sure. You yeah. So you found your way, you've had some hard times. You said yeah. it was hard. You know, you failed some, but you got up and, and kept going. We all have experienced that failure. What would you say to these young leaders who are maybe where you were a few years ago, not very many, cause you're, you're very young, but just a few years ago, what would you say to those men and women who are looking to try to find out what they need to do? Give us some tips from, from your perspective of, of what you would share with them.
1: Yeah. You know, I think that there is this pressure to kind of, Know the answers when you're young, right? It's like, I should know what I want to do that kind of keeps you in a place sometimes of paralysis. And I, for me, and I, I don't know if this is true for everyone, but I do think it requires a good amount of experimentation. Mm-hmm. And I think that people, you know, I used to be a career counselor um, uh, at a point in my career with college age students, and I just found them kind of like, I need to know what I'm going to do with the rest of my life at 22. And it's like, this is just the beginning of you experimenting and exploring, you know, like, and putting that much pressure on any one job to kind of have that, all the components of who you are, I think is um, kind of a little bit of a misnomer. It's a little bit of a false, I think, um, thing for people to pursue or explore. And I also think there's ways in which our jobs don't satisfy all parts of who we are often. And there's real value in us accepting that and realizing there are are ways that jobs might satisfy some parts of me, but I'm going to need to pursue things outside of my work that, that um, appeal to the other parts of who I am, where I can kind of feel like I'm bringing my whole person to my life. Wow.
0: You know, that's a great wisdom again, great insight, different perspective than what we normally hear from leaders that, and it's so valuable. So thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for giving us permission to experiment and and not put so much pressure on us. It's worked beautifully. It is working for you beautifully. And you're a a living example. And to realize that we're more than about our jobs. We we are holistically um, created to to be about more than the task and and more than than our jobs. It it doesn't have to define us, uh, if you will. Oh, that's beautiful. That's amazing. You you got me excited over here. I'm just like, yes, yes, I I love this. Let me ask you a question. You think as you travel your journey, we might uh, have you back and and kind of check in and see where you are and let you help us some more?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'd be more than happy to come back
0: on another time. I love it. Thanks for giving us your time. Thanks for being our guest and uh, you're a great example of someone who's crossing the line to make a difference. And uh, we appreciate it. Thank
1: you. Thanks, Larry,
0: for having me here. That was so fun. I I just really like Elizabeth and I admire her. She has taken her life and really uh, pointed it toward a purposeful career. I've learned so much just from listening to her. I loved her curiosity that she developed as, as a young child. I loved her being aware of who she is and who she's not and who she doesn't have to be. I love how she has used those moments in her life to create those nuggets of leadership that make her into the leader that she is today, and then using that for for purpose in in Rwanda and in other places and continues to do that, knowing that she has to find that purpose. Starting all the way back with knowing that she wanted to go to a barbecue. The great story. So I have uh, I, I've learned a lot from Elizabeth. I really really enjoyed this one. I hope I hope you did. I hope you can take some nuggets away. Give yourself uh, permission to experiment. Uh, you, you know, don't put yourself in a pressure cooker. Experiment with who you are and what you want to do and realize really importantly that your job does not define who you are what a great i've got to remember that it's so good Uh, we are holistically leaders uh, when when we realize that we are a leader personally and professionally thank you for joining us today it's been a lot of fun and uh, i hope that you continue to cross that line in your life to lead with your head and your heart in order to make a difference in the lives of those you love, live with, and lead. Look forward to being with you again on the next uh, episode of Crossing the Line.